Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We have been touching on this subject of honor. And uh, we've, we've been in this now a couple weeks and going to con- progress and continue in this series a little bit. But uh, we're just taking a look at the value of honor. And, you know, in, in our day and age and uh, in our world today, uh, honor and value, uh, respect are, are not common, uh, na- you know, natural uh, characteristics or uh, even belief systems for people. It is, uh, you've got to have intentionality to give honor. Um, and, you know, we live in a day and age where everything is critiqued. Everything is ripped apart. Everything is uh, put on a uh, a stand, so to speak, for everyone's opinion uh, to be thrown at it. Um, And obviously, everyone's opinion is the correct opinion and is the correct decision on the matter. And um, so we, we, we live in a day and age where people have honor and have value, but maybe for the wrong thing. Misplaced honor, if you will. Honor has to be put in a place. Honor has to have a place. Place that I put it. And uh, so, you know, we, we value uh, our opinions, uh, you know, even to the compromise of honoring other people. And um, I've, I've learned, especially through, you know, social media and, and the openness, uh, the channels that people have access, not to just receive. Uh, it would be awesome if it was just an opportunity where we could receive and then we could properly digest what needs to be thrown out and what needs to be received. But not only is it a place that we receive through our phones and our tablets and, and things of that nature, our computers, but it's a place where we can give. It's an open forum, if you will, where people, you don't have to give them a microphone and give them access to the pulpit anymore. They've, they've got it, you know, as far as their hand is from their face. And people would rather be heard than be right. I just want to be heard. I don't care if I'm correct on the matter. I don't care if I actually have a, a functional opinion or, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, an educated idea of this, uh, you know, what's going on. I just want to be heard. And when your value is more to be heard than to be right, then a lot of times you'll be wrong. You'll be incorrect. And so we want to just... Be intentional about looking at what the Bible says about honor. And we're discovering that honor is a kingdom concept. Honor is a kingdom concept. And so really what is happening as we touch on this subject, it rubs a lot of our Americanized, uh, worldly, fleshly thinking or you know, even our knee-jerk reactions a lot of times um, when we start discovering that we're in a kingdom, not a religion, right? We've been covering this. We're we're not just in Christianity. You're in the kingdom of God, and you've been made citizens of that kingdom. And not not only that, you've been adopted sons and daughters into the royal family. And Paul even goes a little further, and he says, you are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassador is a government term. It's not a Bible term. Righteousness is is a government term. It's not a Bible term. It's not a Christian. It's not Christianese to say you're righteous. You're righteous when the speed limit says 45 and you go 45. You're unrighteous if it says 45 and you go 65. That's unrighteous. Righteousness simply means right standing with the governing authority. That's what righteousness is. Not a Bible term. 
It's a government term because God came to establish a government on the earth. Jesus came to reestablish the government that was lost. Adam and Eve did not lose heaven. They lost a government. They lost a kingdom. They handed over authority. The devil didn't steal nothing in that garden. He was handed on a silver platter. Here you go. Authority over all the world. And, and, and Jesus says, and over in Revelation tells us that he's now the ruler or the God of this world or of this age. He was given Authority. Now, this is the thing about authority. Authority can only be given by someone in authority. Right? So I can't say, you know what? I'm fed up with the president of our United States, Kyle. I nominate you. Go, man. You're my, you're, you are my president. I can't. Why? Because I don't have the authority to give authority. So Adam and Eve in that garden, they couldn't hand what they did not already have. Are you hearing me? The devil didn't come in, it's, he's sneaky and he's cunning, but at the end of the day, Adam and Eve handed over by, why, how? Because when you uh, disobey the authority over you, you are removed from the authority under you. If you don't remain in submission to the authority over you, you will not remain in authority over anything under you. And so now we live subjected to the very thing that we are to be ruling over. Amen. Genesis 1.26 is very clear. Adam and Eve were given dominion, authority. Uh, that word means to govern. It means to rule. It means to subject. It means to control. It means to manage. That's what that word dominion means. It's a loaded word. He gave them dominion over Fish of the sea, birds of the air, uh, everything that creeps on the earth, every creeping thing uh, that he gave over the earth. He didn't give them authority over each other. That's not in there. But he gave them authority over the earth. So ultimately, you could say this, that nothing should be happening in the earth without our permission. Hello? Nothing should be happening in the earth without our permission. That's the domination, that's the control, that's the management. And, the, and the, the, the snake crept into the garden, but he couldn't do one thing to Adam and Eve until they disobeyed the word. He had no act. If, if they would have carried on, even ignoring him, they, didn't, they, 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 they could have left him there to fend for himself and say, you know what, we're not eating of the tree. Our king said that we're not supposed to eat it. And the, when, the, when, the, when the king speaks, it becomes law. That's, that's the principle. That's the law. And so we're not going to break the law of the kingdom by eating of that tree. Not going to do it. And so if they would have remained steadfast, nope, my king said not to. Nope. See, temptation has nothing against you until you give in to it. But if they would have never eaten of the fruit of the tree, would still be here today. They'd still be here today. Death was the, the wage of sin. Sin always pays out. It has a currency called death, and, and that death may be separation in the moment, but eventually physical death came in. And man, they lived a long time before that showed up. You're talking eight, 900 years, years for a lot of these guys. Still remaining, God was trying to allow them to remain in the earth and allow them to remain. But finally, he gets over to, to Genesis chapter six 
And he says, man, I got to get my spirit out of there. I've got to separate myself from them completely. They're sinful. They have completely gone the opposite direction because that's what sin does. Sin doesn't cure itself. And there was nothing that man could do to fix the problem. So now God has to send Jesus, not to send Jesus to say, man, get my boys out of there, get them out. Uh, they're, they're doing a horrible job and, and sin's just eating them up and they're just, they're tearing up everything that I, that I created. So, you know, forget the whole plan of dominating the earth and extending our kingdom from heaven, from an invisible realm to a visible realm, from a spiritual realm to a natural. Forget that whole plan, just get them up to heaven. That was not God's plan. God doesn't have a plan B. See, when something breaks for us, we abandon it. When something breaks for God, he fixes it and gets it back the way it was. And so Jesus came to get it back the way it was. I'm going somewhere, I promise, we're still talking about honor. But you gotta understand how the kingdom works. You gotta understand how the kingdom operates. The kingdom operates, governments operate by an authoritative system to execute the plan. That's how governments operate. Governments don't operate by everybody having a say and getting to do what they wanna do. Governments operate, especially kingdoms. See, this is where our democratic mentality jumps in and messes everything up. Kingdoms operate where one person makes the decision and everyone follows the directions, period. Whatever the word of the king is, that's what we do. And there's no vote. You can't vote Jesus in and you can't vote Jesus out. He is Lord. He is king. Jesus is Lord. And you'll find that out sooner or later, hopefully sooner. Hopefully you'll make him Lord rather than having to be made Lord over you. That you can make it on your own free will. You can make your own choice in saying, I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior because Savior is what he did, but Lord is who he is. There's a difference. Savior is what he did for me, but I don't love Jesus and go to Jesus for what he did for me. I go to Jesus because of who he is to me. And he is Lord. But he performed the action of salvation and became my Savior through that. So Jesus came to establish a structure. Jesus came to establish a, a system that the world hadn't seen, a system that had been broken since Genesis chapter three on. The whole Old Testament is man churning and, and, and trying to get this thing you know, back. You know, the law shows up and the Ten Commandments show up and the Ten Commandments didn't come to, to save us. It came to just prove that we were worth saving and needed saving, right? Because I don't know that I'm wrong until you show me what's right. So the law, the Ten Commandments had no power. You could, you could bind yourself to those religiously like the Pharisees and Sadducees and still go to hell. It didn't have the power. The law came in to say, you're a sinner. Let me show you where you're missing it. Let me show you how. But then Jesus came not to abandon the law, but to complete the law that in what the law could not do, Romans chapter eight, Jesus completed by saving us. So he didn't come to abolish it and to say, okay, you don't have to do all this stuff anymore. You're saved by grace, so just live however you want. He says, now I'm giving you the ability to honor the law and to honor a system of obeying me and honor the governing system of the kingdom of God. Still with me? Did I lose anybody? 
So we're talking about a government structure. The kingdom of God is not, see, see, if we just talk about Christianity, we don't need to talk about honor. We don't need it. But if we're talking about a kingdom and if we're talking about an authoritative structure to execute God's plan in the earth, we need to know honor because we're finding out that honor is the access code to the kingdom. Everything you want is on the other side of honor in the kingdom of God. And so when we, when we live a culture and raise a culture that is void of honor, guess what? They're gonna be void of miracles. They're gonna be void of the Holy Spirit. They're gonna be void of, of, of being able to receive God's blessings because God does not package his blessings in, in bows and wrapping paper. He packages his treasures inside of dirt. And if you don't want the dirt, you don't get the treasure. That's what we covered last week. And we live in a culture today that we don't want the dirt, we just want the treasure. And we have people that are actually giving away the treasure without ever giving away the dirt. And we can't live that way. Jesus didn't come in a palace and Jesus didn't come the way everyone expected him to. He came in dirt with baggage from a broken, wrecked family and not wrecked in the good way. Like we like to use nowadays. Wrecked as in broken. Where's dad? And how do we know that she was really impregnated by the Holy Spirit? I mean, who would come up with that? In a small little town of around 150 people where everybody knows his story. So he goes back home to, to, to do everything that he had done everywhere else and he cannot be received. Not because he, was, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Not because he, he didn't have the strength and the power. Not because he didn't have the ability, because they didn't have the ability to receive. And we are walking around. We are living by people that have the ability to meet our needs. God can meet our needs through those channels. And we're missing it because we're knocking the treasure. We're, we're missing the treasure because of the dirt. Well, isn't he just one of us? I mean, we know his mom and his dad. We, we know his brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, they're all here with us. Isn't that the carpenter's son? That's called dishonor. That's not honor. And we're finding out that many times the, 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 the cases where we present the greatest lack of honor is in those closest to us. The environments that we're really missing are in the bed next to us. Parents, they're in your children out of the mouth of babes. And we're missing it because we see Legos everywhere and, and, and they talk back to us and they think they're smart, but there are nuggets in there. There is treasure in there and you might have to dig out some moves, some dirt, but get the shovels out, get the caterpillars. I don't care what you gotta get out. There's treasure in there. But we're missing it. We're missing it. Did I tell you to go to Mark 6? Well, then I don't want to waste that. Let's go there, Mark chapter 6. We'll, we'll, we'll rush, not rush through it, but we'll, we'll push through it. We've covered it the last two weeks. I want to highlight a couple of things, and then we're going to get into another passage that is actually the opposite, but shouldn't have been. It's the opposite of Mark chapter 6, but really you, you, you should have been able to roll reverse these characters that we're about to see. So in Mark chapter six, he went out from there, verse one, came to his own country. His disciples followed him. Uh, 
Jimmy, I need you. I don't think I loaded it in. I'm going to need Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, New King James. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. So they're amazed. They're astonished. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Let's not confuse the fact that we can see how God is using people as automatic honor. Because we can see how God is working through people's lives. And we can see, man, that his hand is upon you and you're performing. But, but then there's still ways that we will we'll, we'll see the treasure kind of glisten through and then we'll start piling the dirt back on. Because that's what they did. They saw the treasure. Is this not the carpenter? Dirt. Boom. The son of Mary. Brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Are not his sisters here? And then they were offended because offense becomes the result of the lack of honor. You become offended at the very thing that, should, that you should be able to receive from. And when offense goes up, it literally a fence, a wall gets built and you don't have access to what's on the other side anymore. So they got offended at the very thing. I mean, they saw the miracles They saw the signs. They heard the words he was saying, still offended. But Jesus said to them, a prophet, that's a a role, that's a position ordained by God. A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So we recognize that where there is no honor, you lock up people's potential. Honor, where there's no honor, you lock up the ability to receive. This is the thing. What we do not honor, we will not receive. What we do not honor, we will not receive. It's impossible. Let me tell you, you want to dishonor someone? Fine. You will never get anything out of them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, they dishonored an honorable person and didn't get anything. But you can honor a dishonorable person and still get something out. That's how powerful honor is. They dishonored a person worthy of honor and didn't get anything but you can honor someone that may seem dishonorable and you will be the one that gets stuff out when everybody else is complaining, talking bad about them, sharing the stuff on social media, making posts about it, and they will never get anything. And you'll be walking around and they'll say, man, how how did you get that? How'd you get that to work for you? And and, and you'll be able to say, "I, I just honored them. Not because of who they were, not because of their performance, not because of their ability, because of the position they're in, because they're in a place of honor. You know, honor has positions. So the person giving the honor doesn't get to determine what is honorable. Does that make sense? Like it's up to, it's still our responsibility to give the honor. It's not automatic, but we don't get to pick and choose 
what we give honor to. It's already worthy of honor, whether you like it or not. The president of the United States is an honorable position. And while everybody else may not like it and everybody else may have something to say about it, if you honor the position, you will get something from it that no one else will. Come on, it's easy to pick apart the stuff everyone doesn't like. Anybody can do that. Let's please challenge ourselves to find the good in every situation and find the good in every person and find the good in every season because every season and every person and every situation has something good. You just may have to do a lot of digging. You may have to do a lot of digging. So they couldn't receive. The only time recorded in the entire New Testament. Couldn't, he could do no mighty work there except lay his hands on a few sick people. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And we we recognize this in the first week that, that really the reason why they couldn't display honor is because they didn't have honor for themselves. Because because later on, you'll you'll go, you'll find out when Jesus was calling Nathaniel, Nathaniel said, Nazareth? What good can come out of Nazareth? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So you see that they had a poor self-view of themselves. Therefore, you can't give away honor that you don't have. You'll, You'll never... You'll never honor someone else beyond the level that you honor yourself. That's why Jesus said the commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. And honestly, the reason why, this is bold, honest truth, the reason why we have such a lack of honor in our, in our culture today is because we have a lot of people that have a very poor self-image, a very poor self-view of themselves, and so they cannot give away what they do not have for themselves. And I think we'll get into it later because uh, when you discover your identity in Christ, you can honor everybody and everything. It it won't matter. It it won't matter where they came from and it won't matter what they did. It won't matter what they said. You'll be able to honor people that shouldn't be honored and you'll be able to honor people that that should be asking you for forgiveness and you'll be able to honor people that, that they'll straight hurt you and lie to your face and you'll still be able to walk in honor because your identity is so secure and it's not wrapped up in who they are. See, that, that's, that's why they, they couldn't, Jesus, he's from here. None of us have ever done, none of us have ever gone to college. None of us have ever done that. We, none of us are good dads. None of us have ever done miracles. And so when, when you can't accept it for yourself, you can't put it on someone else. All right, so Matthew chapter eight. I love this story. And, and you'll see why I, I made such a case to stand on or to start on the, uh, the kingdom subject. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a message that's super available. It's not a message that is on the tip of everyone's tongue. Uh, and, and honestly, especially in America, the, the kingdom uh, will literally rough up against your stuff. It'll, it'll rough up against 
our way of thinking. And even, uh, even you know, I, I grew up in church and, and I went to Bible school and I still had a hard time with it. For about three months, contemplated the subject of the kingdom and, and, and I couldn't deny any of it. That's what made me so angry. I was like, it's there. It's all Jesus talked about. It's honestly, it's there from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You just have to see it because the, the Jesus said himself, the kingdom of God is a mystery. To you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Not a mystery that, that he's trying to hide like he doesn't want you to know about it. A mystery to determine how valuable is it to you. So you don't cast your pearls before swan because people will, will trample over it. But when you really understand the kingdom of God and when you really understand that the kingdom of God is not a subject within this book, like there's faith, there's the Holy Spirit, there's prayer, and there's the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is what encompasses all the subjects. So you miss the forest for the trees. The kingdom is the forest. In the faith and prayer and the Holy Spirit and, and, and all the different, those are trees within. So we can't be tree huggers. Grab it. No, I'm on my faith tree. I'm on my prosperity tree. I'm over here on my prayer tree. No, no, no. You gotta, we gotta get off the tree and we gotta start embracing the kingdom of God and then finding out how each one of those subjects layer in the kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter eight, we see a very interesting story starting with verse five. It says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, a centurion is a Roman soldier. He is a government official and he commands an army, a legion of army, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from two to, to five. I've even heard some people say 7,000 men. This guy's in charge. This guy is a military commander. He is a, he understands authority. He understands power. He understands submission. And so a centurion comes to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant, and see what he called him? Lord. Lord, my servant. So he's got servants, is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And most anybody would said, yes, absolutely, come. But the conversation takes a weird turn here. He says, I will come and heal him, verse eight. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I'm not worthy for you. I mean, the, 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 the impact of this, look at verse nine. For I also, this is interesting. He says, I also, what on earth about Jesus's appearance or about Jesus's carry in his life demonstrated that he was a man under authority, having soldiers under me and in authority? 
Jesus is not a military guy. He's not a government official. And to be honest, he's the enemy, this centurion. If anybody would have not considered Jesus worthy, it would have been this guy that could have potentially been of the ones that put him on the cross later on. The Roman government. The Roman government that was subduing Jesus's nation. Jesus was the king of the Jews. And the whole argument that the Pharisees had when they went to the Roman government to get him crucified was saying, he is creating an uprising. He's creating a, a rebellion within the nation that you guys are overseeing. And if you let this go on, he'll overthrow Caesar. Jesus wasn't killed because he was a lunatic. Jesus wasn't killed because they knew the gospels and knew we're supposed to kill this guy. They killed him because they were afraid of a government, a kingdom, because Jesus talked about it so much, they thought a literal kingdom was coming up and was gonna destroy the Roman government, which was the most powerful government at this time. You know, Jesus came at a specific time. He could have come at any time in the Old Testament. He came at a specific time when a government would demonstrate naturally what the kingdom looks like. Because every other kingdom and every other government that had overthrown nations, they would go conquer a nation, take a bunch of slaves, and take them back to their nation. Like Daniel. And Shadrach and Meshach. And ben but the Romans didn't do that. The Romans would go into a territory and then they would colonize it. They would put a governor over it. Pontius Pilate was the governor. And then he, they would come to that territory and that's what the kingdom does. The kingdom is advancing and taking Terry. And, and every time we go into an a, a, a area, a sector, whether it's entertainment, whether it's government, whether it's uh, healthcare, whether it's education, we are colonizing. We're not going in there and taking people and then trying to get them back to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is spreading and advancing. And the violent take it by force. Kingdom suffers violence. So the kingdom of God could be visibly seen in the Roman government. This, this guy right here. So no wonder he gets it. His own, it's interesting to me that the people in his own hometown that were believing and waiting on a Messiah didn't get it. But a Roman government military official gets it. I mean, they saw the miracles and they heard the words and said, who is this guy? And where did he get this from? Got offended and didn't receive any miracles when he was readily available to do it. But right here, we have a guy that not only is he willing to let Jesus come to his house, he says, you don't even have to come. Never been demonstrated before a miracle that had not ever even been seen. But because this guy is a Roman official, because he's a military official, he knows that there is power in the word. For I also, he, he's saying, you're like me. You're just like me. They couldn't be further from each other. I mean, the, 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 the Nazarites could have said, I'm from here too. And if you could do that, maybe I could do that. But they didn't, did they? They got offended. But this guy, the complete opposite, a Roman Gentile. The kingdom wasn't even coming to the Gentiles at this time. It was for the Jews. 
Jesus said, I've come to bring it, bring it to the Jews, but you will go all into all the world and preach the gospel to Judea and Samaria and, and, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll do that, but I'm just coming to, this guy's not even on the checkoff list. He's not even on the roll sheet. Couldn't be further, but he says, I also am a man and he doesn't say in authority, right? Because if you are in authority, then you could speak the word and heal my son. But he says, the only reason you're in authority is because you're under authority. I recognize that you're submitted to something. I recognize that there's somebody you're listening to and there's somebody that, that, that's, that's dictating what you do because I've heard you say that I'm not going, all the people want me to stay over here, but I'm not going over there because I've got a purpose. I've got to preach the kingdom. I've been sent to the, I didn't come here on my own. Jesus didn't say, okay, over here, I'll go to the earth. He didn't volunteer. He was chosen and sent. And in a kingdom, when you're chosen and sent, you go. There's no dodger draft in the kingdom of God. You are in the army of God. And when God calls you, when he assigns you, when he appoints you, he anoints you to go. Amen. So he says, I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Keep on going. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He marveled. He marveled. You know what will make Jesus marvel? He marveled and said to those followers, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found, watch this, such great faith. Such great faith, not even Israel. Now, what did he have faith in? Well, obviously he had faith that if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. But I don't, I don't know so much that that was where his faith lied. Because he knew that even naturally that works. I can speak a word and it works. He gave a, a natural demonstration to say, this is, this is why it'll work for you because I know it works for me. I believe he, the demonstration of his faith was in giving honor to a man that maybe didn't display being honorable. I just suggest to you today, I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible. I'm just telling you what I see. I mean, he, he, he gave, when I speak, they go. So I know when you speak, they'll go. But you, did you know sometimes it takes honor or it takes faith to give honor? Yeah, we don't live in that culture. We hardly give honor to what is obviously demanding of honor. But how about when it takes faith to, I'm gonna give honor believing that I'm gonna get what you have inside of you. Because it, you may not present yourself as honorable and you may not seem like something that is high and lifted up, but I'm gonna give you honor believing that what's inside of you, I'll get to withdraw. Yeah, it takes faith to give honor. It takes faith to give honor when they spitefully use you. It takes faith to give honor for Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They were never dishonorable. 
Never. Disagreed? Yes. Disrespect? No. And they honored a king, an evil king that they were slaves of, and they ended up in positions of authority. See, favor will follow honor. When you learn to live with an honor code, when you learn to live with honor towards whatever is worthy of honor, regardless of how they act, regardless of what they do, regardless of what it seems like, you get favor in that arena. You'll get favor with people that don't care anything about your agenda. The same king later on built, King Nebuchadnezzar built a idol 90 feet tall of himself. For what? To get honor? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did what? They wouldn't bow down. But they didn't go and cuss them out. But they didn't go and try to show them up. They didn't go and try to give them their, they said, King, we can't do that because we have a, a higher authority that we must give honor to. And if we give honor to you, we will dishonor the authority. See, you got to be careful what you compromise. We're not talking about compromising and just going along with the crowd. Got very close a few years ago that saying some things in this pulpit would land me in prison. Got very close. I don't think the church really recognizes this, this four-year window that we have right now. I don't know that we got eight years. We're gonna, we're gonna have to stand on the four and we're gonna have to get our foot in the door. That was kingdom that happened that night. That, that wasn't a uh, 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 Democrat or Republican. That was the kingdom of God saying, you've got four years, America. Get your stuff straight or you're gonna lose it all. But it came very close, and they would never get me to say other than what the Bible says, and I don't care where it lands me. But I would never do it in a dishonorable way, and I would never blast my president on social media, and I would never share posts from, from uh, uh, news outlets that are biased to one side or the other. I would just stand on the word, because ultimately, I don't have an opinion on any of the matter. That's really how we ought to live as kingdom citizens. I don't have an opinion. but my king does. I can tell you what his opinion is. And I'm just an ambassador. I've been sent from the king, from the kingdom to represent him. I can't say anything other than what the king says. And this is, it's outlined right here. We've got a book. It's outlined right here, but I don't have an opinion on the matter. But I can tell you what my king says and I have to represent him. I have to represent his government. I have to represent his kingdom. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did and favor went before him. Timeless, time after time there. They would, they would never compromise. Daniel ultimately had to come to a place, is he gonna pray to God? Like he did every day through the window? Or was he gonna compromise that to, to honor man and dishonor God? And obviously time after time, it's a book of honor. It's a book of recognizing how honor 
puts you in a position for God's blessing, but it also puts you in a position for right relationships with man. I can tell you right now, you will never correct a relationship with dishonor. But you have a lot of potential in correcting a relationship through honor. Continue to honor. Continue to serve. Continue to submit. It might be your boss. It might be your spouse. It might be your children. It, it, it might be a, a friendship. It might be your parents. Whatever it is, continue to remain in a position of honor. And you have the greater chance of not just winning yourself, but winning the other. So this, this centurion here understands the concept of the kingdom. He understands that if I honor, he said, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. How? I mean, his servant was under his roof. He's a parent. The servant was worthy to go under, but, not even, but, but, but he recognized that, that I, I'm not, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. There's honor. He's revealing value for who Jesus is. And he's not, he, he's not just going after the treasure. He's honoring the man. He could have ordered Jesus. I've seen you do these miracles around here. Come heal my son right now. Come heal my servant. Didn't do it. He honored. He took the dirt with the treasure. We've got to be people that go after. I can tell you right now, there is not one relationship that you will enter where you will not have to engage dirt. And the closer you get, the more dirt you find. So if you want to avoid dirt for the rest of your life, then you will avoid miracles and you will avoid blessings and you will avoid a move of God and the will of God and the purpose of God because God is not working in this earth without using you and I. And we are all dirt-filled people with a treasure on the inside. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't die on that cross for your treasure. He died on, your, on the cross for all of it. He gave his life, not saying, now get rid of your dirt before you come in here. He said, come in here with all of it and we'll help you remove the dirt. Can we be people that will help other people move the dirt? Don't demand that people move the dirt out of the way before you get to their treasure. Don't be that person. Because if we don't live with honor, we don't live in the kingdom. It's a concept, it's a principle, and it cannot be avoided, it cannot be abandoned, it has to be honored. Honor must be honored in the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. 
Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.